Good morning, church. Hey, how's it going? If you're wondering why I'm up here, and if you don't even know who I am, my name is Pastor David Nithang, and I serve as the director of Life Groups here at Emmanuel. And coming up this May, I'll be 10 years here on staff. Now, the reason I'm standing before you this morning is because our lead pastor, Pastor Nate, he's enjoying vacation with his family. Amen? You know, I was, uh, Pastor Nate and I, we work out together, and, you know, he, he, I said, what are you most excited about this vacation? He said, I'm most excited about the fact that my boys are excited because they get dad. That is great news, amen? Now, hey, before we move into our message, hey, quick shout out to Maple Grove, Pastor Nathan and the Maple Grove family. What's up, Maple Grove? We love Maple Grove. Now, we have been in a three-part series called Here there and everywhere. everywhere. Hey, you guys been paying attention. And Pastor Nate finished off last week. And last week he talked about the echo, 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 echo. Come on, everyone say that when we say echo, echo, echo. The echo of the impact of the kingdom and how when God moves and then we partner with God, how that affects not just our current situation, but the, the future and, and generations to come. Now, I'll be honest with you, a little transparent. When Pastor Nate, uh, before he left on vacation, he was like, hey, uh, hey, hey, David, you think you can uh, pitch in for me while I'm on vacation? I'll be honest with you. I was like, say what? <laughs> I was a little shocked. I was a little shocked. Honored. But shocked because many uh, great men of God have graced this pulpit, and it's an honor to stand before God's people, you, the people of Emmanuel, and declare the word of God. So I'm going to do my best this morning. There's a lot of you that have been praying for me. Thank you so much. A lot of you, you're cheering me on as I'm standing up here right now. God bless you. Now, the title of my message today, Here, There, Everywhere, Part 3, is this. Pastor Nate talked about the echo. Today, I want to talk about the shock, all right? So the title of my message is, Get Ready, You Might Be Shocked. Get ready, you might be shocked. Now, how many of you ever been shocked by someone's, how someone named their child? Like, how in the world <laughs> did they come up with that name? Come on, be honest. Like, you're like, you hear it and you're like, really? Like, what? Like, what's going? Through your mind, it's, it, it's interesting. Now, if you've never found out, like, how you got your name, I'll just be honest with you. Find out. Find out. You may be totally shocked. Like, really? That's how I got my name? You know, now, now I want to pick on my wife, my, my wife. Her name is Brandy. And you know how my wife got her name? That's how she got her name. Her dad's favorite alcoholic drink. <laughs> now, the sad part is, Unfortunately, he died because he was an alcoholic. Now, but here's the funny thing about her name. Her, her name, the origin of her name is actually Italian, and it actually means fiery and beacon. Fiery and beacon. Now, if you've been around my wife, if you know my wife, if you had the honor to be around her, she is exactly fiery and Beacon. Now, I prayed for a feisty wife. You know, I was the guy was like, I need a feisty wife, someone to like whip me up in shape. And boy, did God answer 
my prayer. Now check this out. This is how apropos her name is to who she really is. This is high school. You know how when you're in high school you get voted best this, best that. Now most likely this. Now this is my wife. She was voted best personality. That's her beak inside. Now check this out. She was also voted. She was also voted hottest temper. <laughs> best personality, hottest temper. She's either hot. Or she is cold. Now, my kids, I have three kids. My first, uh, my born, is Olivia. Olivia, her nickname is Ollie. How many of you guys have nicknames? Do you have nicknames, nicknames, real nice? Uh, 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 we call her Ollie. Now, the word, the name Olivia is derived from a Latin word, olive. And we liked it. We liked the sound Olivia. But, but the reason why we really liked the term uh, Olivia was the word olive because uh, the anointing oil comes from an olive. And we named her Olivia because she was our little anointed. She's our little anointed girl. Now, Isabella, Isabella, she got her name because uh, when, when, when she was birthed, she came out looking just like me, and Bella means beautiful. We said, that child is beautiful. We're going to name her Bella. No, actually, actually, uh, Isabella, the whole turt word Isabella actually means God is my oath. He's my promise. He's my hope. Now, she's in middle school right now. <laughs> And you guys, girls, you remember me in middle school, girls, like, it is crazy. And, and God better be her hope, because sometimes me and her mom, uh, me and my wife, we are not her hope, because she needs God to be her hope. Now, my son, Nolian, my Nolian, his actual name, his origin is Burmese. It's, it's, it's my, our national language. It's actual a Burmese Chin tribal name. And, uh, and I'll be honest with you, when, when people uh, learned that we were going to name my son Nalian, they have never heard that name before. And they, they had that face you guys make before, like, what are you naming this kid? Like, they were shocked. Like, why are you naming this kid Nalian? But check out what the, word, the name Nalian means. Nalian means infinite, continual prosperity in every aspect of life. That's not a bad name, is it? <laughs> So when people would make that face like, that's what you're naming your son, that shocked face, I say, check out what it means. And they're like, oh, 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 that's, that's pretty good. Now, 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 how did I get my name? Now, actually, my birth name actually is Nolian. My dad named me Nolian, but now, it was very uncommon in a predominantly Buddhist uh, country to have two families that were from Christian homes. My mom had a Christian background. And, and my dad, his, his father was a pastor, so we had a Christian background. So not only did we get tribal Burmese names, like I was given all that, but we also got Christian names. And my dad actually named me Nolan, but he also gave me a Christian name, David. Now, check this out. My dad's Christian name is Samuel. Now, here's what you need to know about old Burmese Custom or tradition. Now, uh, Bur Burmese history, they used to have like lots of kings ruling different regions and areas. And I was the third born of three boys. And, and it was Burmese custom and tradition that if you, if you had three boys sequentially, your, fa your family was considered of like royal status. And if you would meet with the other royal, royal, royal uh, uh, arrangements and, and people, you would actually get to sit 
be seated higher. Because you know how everyone's supposed to bow beneath royalty? They would actually seat you higher. Now, check this out. If you were a woman that bore three sons sequentially, you were special. You were highly esteemed. Actually, this is what tradition said. They would actually, if you were a, a, a woman that bore three sons sequentially, you would actually get to sit with the men and eat with them at the eating table. Now, we're talking about way back when, okay? Way back when, okay? And here was also a fact in Burmese traditional custom was if you bore three sons, they actually let you eat if you were in uh, the monasteries with the monks. That's how special it was to be a woman that bore three sons. Now, I can't imagine what uh, Jody Roosh would be. She had four boys. Can you imagine? Like, <laughs> she's really special, really special. Now, now because, because I was the third born and youngest son, my father, Samuel, named me David. Because I was the third boy son, our third boy son, I actually in, in Burmese tradition kind of made my family royalty. So, so my 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 dad said I was his a little anointed king, his little anointed king. I know, I know, that'll get your head really big, huh? Whatever you walk around. <laughs> now here's the reality. When I learned about how. I got that name. I was like shocked. I was like, whoa, that's pretty, pretty darn cool. Now, here's the reality. Names are given to us to define or describe who we are or what perception people have of us. Let me say that again. Names are given to us to define or describe who we are or what perception people have of us, whether it's your birth name, all right? When I count to three, I want everyone to shout out your birth name. You guys ready? One, two, three. All right, that's your birth name. Be proud of it. It means something. It has substance, all right? Or it could be a pet name. How many of you guys, your significant other's in here, all right? When I count to three, this is what I want you to do. I want you to whisper in your significant other's ear and whisper that little pet name to them. Now, if your significant other is here, don't go to your, the neighbor lady next to you or the guy. <laughs> All right, ready? One, two, three. Come on, come on. Talk to your sweetheart. Now, maybe a nickname. Whether it be your nickname. All right, we're going to have fun in here. It's okay to have fun in church, all right? I want you to tell someone around you, okay, what your nickname was growing up. Ready? Go. One, two, three. What's your nickname? What's your nickname? <laughs> Dr. Lori, you didn't have a nickname? Oh, man, I'm, you're Doc. That's your nickname. He's the Doc. Now, my family nickname growing up was Bausa. It meant baby boy because I was in the first generation of coming to America. I was the youngest boy to come in that drove of being sponsored and coming to America. So to this day, if you go back home to Davenport, Iowa, or where all my family is, to this day, you will hear everyone call me Balsa, can you pronounce that right? Can you say one, two, three, say Balsa. Balsa. Now, my very first nickname given to me by a non-family member was actually my cousin's best friend, Doug Williams. I'll never forget. First nickname I got. I was probably about five or six years old. You want to hear what my first nickname was? Taco. <laughs> Taco. 
Now remember what I said. Names were given to us to define or describe who we are or what perception people had of us. Now I was called Taco because I was a chunky little boy and it looked like I had eaten one too many tacos. So he called me Taco. I was the husky little boy. Now, who remember, remember Rustler jeans when they put like husky on the back? Like you didn't already know that you were like chunky. They had to put on the back. You guys remember what I'm talking about husky? What size jeans do you wear? Husky, you know? Taco, now the ironic thing about being called Taco is man, like Mexican food is my weakness. Like to this day, like not every every night at nine o'clock, you ask my mom, ask my uh, my wife, nachos start calling me, man. Nachos start calling me. That's my cheat meal, nachos. All right. Now, what about Jesus? What names or titles were given to Jesus? Names or titles that defined him or described who he was or what perception people had of him. I did a little research, and I learned that Jesus had over 200 names or titles between the Old Testament and the New Testament. Over 200. I'll read some of them. I'll read some of them to you. He was called the true vine, the head of the church, the holy one of God, the great high priest, the good Shepherd, the bread of life, the chief cornerstone, the author and finisher of our faith, the morning star, the only begotten son, the son of the living God, the lamb of God, the lion of the tribe of Judah, the prince of peace, the rock of salvation, the resurrection and the life, the way, the truth and the life, the alpha and omega, the king of kings and the Lord of lords. And then there was this one, and you might be shocked when I say it. Friend of sinners. Friend of sinners. How in the world did that get in there? That was like a wonderful formal introduction, all those 20 names, and all of a sudden, friend of sinners. Here's the truth about Jesus. Jesus was passionate about sinners, people that were away from him. Jesus, being a friend of sinners throughout his earthly ministry, caused constant controversy and confusion with the religious leaders of his day and believe it or not even his own disciples even his own disciples now here's what's fascinating as I was looking through those 100 200 names here's what I found fascinating out of all those names there is really only one that we, you and I can actually relate to or attain, okay? Because, you know, king of kings, nope, can't do that, can you? Great high priest, anyone? Anyone? Taking offers, going once, <laughs> going twice. Rock of salvation, don't even want to try that. 
Lamb of God. Thank you, Jesus, for dying across to me. I don't want to be up there. Thank you. The Alpha and the Omega. Nope. Can't do that. There's only one that you and I can actually obtain. And it's this one. Friend of sinners. Now that really got my attention. When that truth was revealed to me, I was like totally, totally shocked. Because if I'm supposed to be like Jesus and an imitator of Christ, that means I better be good at being a friend of sinners. Now, to be shocked means to be surprised, to be disturbed greatly. Something that suddenly causes an emotional distress. Now, why in the world do you and I need to be shocked sometimes? Here's why. Here's why, church. Because when we get shocked, our eyes are opened. Our eyes are opened. And here's my big idea for today before we go into the scriptures. Here's my big idea. God is always trying to get us to open our eyes to see the, to see people the way he sees people. And if we can't, he may have to shock us. He just may. Let's pray. Father, I pray in Jesus' name. I pray everyone under the sound of my voice would give you permission to shock them, to open our eyes, to open our eyes to the people you passionately care about that's in our world. In Jesus' name we pray. Let everyone say amen. amen. Now, if you brought your Bibles with you or if you're following along in the U version on the Bible app, we're going to look at the Gospel of John. Now, we're going to go to the, ch uh, the fourth chapter, and we're going to look at verses 5 through 42. Now, I'm actually going to jump around because time won't allow me to, to go through and dissect everything. There was, like, so much rich in this story, and I was shocked. My eyes were open to a lot of things uh, in, in, this, in this story, but we're going to go through verses, uh, excuse me, verses 5 through 42, and we're going to skip some of the middle verses, okay? Chapter, Chapter 4, verses 5 through 42. You guys ready to be shocked? Yeah. Are you ready to be shocked? Yeah. All right, verse number 4. Now, this is the story of Jesus and the Samaritan woman. Story of Jesus and the Samaritan woman. Verses 4 through 34, it's the account where Jesus meets the Samaritan woman at the well. Now, verses 35 through 42, he's talking about the harvest. Now, when I would originally read this and study this, um, I, I, I make this mistake a lot. What I find out is we like to piece the Bible <laughs> and take portions of it and, and sometimes don't put 
the whole passages all together. And when we do that, what, what, what I come to find is we miss, like, the whole point of this actual message. And I'll be honest with you, I was guilty of doing, doing that, okay? Now, let's go to John chapter 4, and we'll start with verse 5. You guys ready? It says, he had to go. Everyone say, he had to go. He had to go through Samaria on the way. Now, why did he have to go? I'm not going to tell you yet, okay? We're going to save that for a little later, okay? So he had to go through Samaria on the way. Now, eventually he came to the Samaritan village of Sychar, near the field that Jacob gave to his son Joseph. Jacob's well was there, and Jesus, being tired from the long walk, sat wearily beside the well about noontime. Soon a Samaritan woman came to draw water, and Jesus said to her, Please give me a drink. Now, he was alone at the time because the disciples had gone into the village to buy some food. Now, check this out. The woman was surprised. Everyone say she was shocked. Why was she shocked? All right, read on. For Jews refused to have anything to do with Samaritans. She said to Jesus, you are a Jew and I am a Samaritan. Stop at verse 9, okay? Because I'm going to go skip from verse 9 all the way to 26. Now, but let me tell you about the context of verses 10 through 25. Now, as G Jesus approaches this woman and she's shocked, why are you talking to me? Now, the first thing this woman tries to have with Jesus is a theological debate with Jesus. Like, you're having a theological debate with the wrong person. And as they're debating Jewish custom and Samaritan custom, like, he's revealing truth to her. And he's confronting her about things that are going on in her life. And to avoid the truth that he's revealing, she keeps on making theological arguments. You know people like that. Have you done that yourself? Amen. Trying to divert the attention, okay? And she thinks she has Jesus kind of uh, uh, trapped in the corner, and, and she talks about how the Messiah is going to come. Now, in verse 26, Jesus trumps her. Not Donald Trump, okay? Jesus trumps her, okay? Like, he trumps her. And, th and this is what he said. Then Jesus told her, I am the Messiah. End of story. It's me. Now, check this out. Just when he said, I am the Messiah, his disciples came back. And this is what the actual verse says. They were shocked. Everyone say they were shocked. They were shocked to find out that he was talking to a woman. But they were chicken. Check this out. None of them had the nerve to ask him. Like, I ain't asking Jesus. You ask him, what's he doing with that woman? <laughs> you talk to the boss. <laughs> we have Dr. Lori talk to our boss. <laughs> we're like, Dr. Lori, go talk to Pastor Nate for us. <laughs> They didn't have the nerve to ask, what do you want with her? Why are you talking to her? Now, here's what's going on in this passage, okay? Here's what's going on in this passage. Eyes wide open. Check this out. This Samaritan woman is shocked 
And now the disciples are shocked. Why are they shocked? Because Jews were not supposed to speak to Samaritans. They weren't. They were not. They hated each other. There was turmoil. There's historical turmoil. You just don't talk to them. Number two. Now, men weren't supposed to, weren't permitted to address women without their husbands present. Now, I didn't go into those passages, but he, he asked her, where are your husbands? So there's tension going on. He's a Jew. He wasn't supposed to talk to a Samaritan. He's a man. He's not permitted to talk to a woman without her husband there. And check this out. He was a rabbi, and he had no business speaking with a shady lady such as this one. He's a teacher. He's a man of the cloth. Why are you talking to this woman? You see, everything Jesus did in this passage went against the cultural rules. And it went even against religious law. But Jesus was willing to break those rules. Now, here's my question to all of us this morning. What cultural rules, what religious traditions are we willing to break to make friends with sinners? Hmm. What lines are we willing to cross to reach that person that is away from God? What is it? Your reputation? What is it? What people will think of you? Hmm. Now, after this encounter with Jesus, this Samaritan woman, she's so, like, moved by the fact that Jesus, this guy she met at the well, could actually be the Messiah. Verse 28 reads this. The woman left her water jar beside the well and ran back to the village telling everyone, come and see a man who told me everything I did. Could he possibly be the Messiah? And here's what the people did. So the people came streaming from the village to see him. That encounter with Jesus moved her so much, she forgot why she even went there. She forgot why she even went there. So she forgot her jar and she took off. Now, it surprises me because she said, I saw a man and he told me everything that I ever did. Could he possibly be the Messiah? I think she actually knew. You know why? Because she didn't need natural water anymore. He quenched her thirst. He gave her water where she would thirst no more. If I could have the worship team come up right now, that'd be great. Now, while all this is happening, the disciples are too chicken to confront Jesus. While this woman finds out he's the Messiah, his very own disciples, they're too chicken to confront him. To debate him, like, what's going on? This woman, this Samaritan had enough to debate, like, what's going on? And they couldn't. They were too chicken. You know why? Because they were still, they were so confused. 
Church, they couldn't see. They couldn't see what was going on. Let's go to verse 31. Meanwhile, the disciples were urging Jesus, Rabbi, eat something. But Jesus replied, I have a kind of food you know nothing about. Did some, now they're sitting there going, did someone bring them some food? They're still confused. And he makes the statement, and then he, they're even more confused. Like, what's he talking about? This food that he can't see? Now, here's the reality. All right, check this out. They call him rabbi. Rabbi means teacher. At this point in juncture of knowing Jesus, they only could see him as teacher. Now, I don't blame him. Jesus was a pretty amazing teacher. But in all reality, Jesus was just trying to get them to see him as more than teacher. They were trying to get him, them to see him as the true Messiah. As the true Messiah. Now I said I'd go back to verse 4. Now verse 4 said he had to go. Everyone say he had to go. Here's why he had to go through Samaria. Here's why, okay? In Jewish teaching, the Messiah was the pronounced Savior and Deliverer only for the Jewish nation. Their perspective of who the Messiah was, it was only for me. It was only for the Jewish people. And his disciples, they didn't have a clear picture of this, on who just Jesus was trying to really say who he was. He wasn't just the Messiah for the Jewish people. He was the Savior of the world, the Messiah and Savior of the world. But here's the reality. Disciples were very content with having Jesus all for themselves. You see, they were ready to kick some butt, to rule and reign with him, and take over all the nations that persecuted him. They couldn't see who he really was. Now let me ask you, are you guilty just like these disciples? Are you and I trying to keep Jesus all for ourselves? Because we're worried about our reputation, we're worried about stepping out in faith, we're worried about what people will think of us. Hmm. Verse 35, you know the saying, it says, four months between planting and harvest, but I say, wake up and look around. The fields are ripe for the harvest. Okay, he's trying to help them to see. He's getting frustrated. He says, you know the saying, four months between planting and harvesting. But I say this, wake up. Everyone say, wake up. up. Look around. around. All right, stop right there. Why is he saying, wake up and look around? All right, we got to back up. We got to back up. Okay, go back to verse 28. While all this was happening and Jesus was revealing to this woman that she was the Messiah, it says the woman left her water jar beside the well and ran back to the village telling everyone come and see a man 
who told me everything I did. Could he possibly be the Messiah? Now check this out. So the people came streaming from the village. The people came streaming from the village. Check this out. He's telling him to wake up. And as he's telling him to wake up, he's saying, look around. The woman that was telling her village that I was the Messiah, they're coming right now. There was actually physical people coming. The harvest, he was trying to get them to see the harvest. Here they come. They're coming right now. And then verse 36, it says, the harvesters are paid good wages and the fruit they harvest is the people brought to eternal life. Now let's stop right there. Who are the harvesters in this story? Jesus is trying to tell them his disciples, they are the harvesters. And, but who are the planters? Who's the planter in this story? What we fail to see is the planter is actually the Samaritan woman. She saw Jesus as the Messiah. And she runs back to her village and tells everyone, I think the man I saw today could be the Messiah. Could be the Messiah. Now check this out, verse 39, as I close. Because of this Samaritan woman, because of this Samaritan woman and the result of her seeing Jesus as the Messiah, many Samaritans from the village believed that Jesus became, uh, that Jesus, that believed Jesus because the woman he said had told him everything I did. And when they came out to see him, they begged him to stay in their village. So he stayed for two days, long enough for many more to hear the message and believe. And then they said to this woman, now we believe, not just because of what you told us, but because what we have heard for ourselves. Now we know that he is indeed the savior of the world. Church, as I close this morning, I leave us with this. It's time to wake up. It's time to wake up. It's time to open our eyes and see the harvest because it's ripe, it's ready. There are people in your life right now. There are people in your life right now. Jesus is saying, they're ripe, they're ready, but are you going to befriend them? Are you going to befriend them so they can know me as the Messiah? Here's what I want you to do. I want you to stand to your feet right now. And as you stand to your feet, here's what I'm going to ask you to do. And here's what I'm going to ask the Holy Spirit to do. That he would reveal the sinners, the people that are away from God in your life. He would reveal to you who they are. And after we sing, here's what we're going to do. We're going to take that prayer card. Or we're going to take the Easter invite card. Do you have that? Why don't you grab that as we're singing? 
And after we sing and after God reveals who those people that are away from God in your life, we're going to pray for those people before we close. Let's sing.